0: hey y'all it's janice here aka j nice on the mic and this is dirty diversity a podcast on all things diversity equity and inclusion this podcast is called dirty diversity because in this day and age diversity has become sort of a dirty or bad word that causes a lot of knee-jerk and negative reactions The goal of this podcast is to dissect diversity, or lack thereof, inside and outside of companies, and also to discuss current events around equity and inclusion, as well as discussing solutions for creating a more cohesive world and workplace. My name is Janice, AKA J Nice on the mic. (laughs) That was and still is my moniker on YouTube. Some of you may know I started a YouTube channel almost 10 years ago to discuss topics around race and Black identity, and it seemed to really resonate with my audience. I'm also a TEDx speaker, a professor, a diversity and inclusion consultant, and a writer with a PhD in organizational psychology. Welcome to Dirty Diversity, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Welcome to the very first episode of Dirty Diversity. I'm so happy to finally be recording this. I feel like this is such a long time coming. I have, for any of you out there who are like my OG YouTube subscribers, I had a, I created a video in January of 2017 where I was sharing with my audience my desire to create a podcast. And as you can see, it's now January, well, February of 2020, and I'm just getting around to creating one now, but, you know, better late than never. Um, I kind of at first was like struggling with, is the market, is the podcast market too oversaturated? But of course, we've all heard that, that saying, you know, you walk down the bread aisle and you see like 30 different types of bread. So you can never have too much bread. And you. I, I believe you can't have enough podcasts. And I'm a podcast junkie. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I'm really trying to make this podcast a mixture of what I love from all the podcasts that I've listened to. And also like what I wish I saw in podcasts. So the first thing that I wanted to share with you guys is that the style of this podcast is basically um, going to be for the ma- majority of the the episodes. It's just going to be me talking and me sharing my perspectives uh, the reason for this is because when I sort of did a search on the diversity and inclusion related podcasts that are currently out there, every single one of them that I saw was like interview style. So it was like the podcasts focus on guest interviews, so the po- the host uh, interviews different people in the D&I space, and while I absolutely love those formats, and the majority of the podcasts that I listen to are interview and question and answer, I there are a lot of podcasts where I would just rather hear the, the host talk, and a podcast that I really love is the Ask My Leak podcast, or it's, I guess, um, my Taught You is what it's called, the My Taught You podcast. So for most of those episodes, my leak Teal is just talking. And I love that style. And I wish there were so many podcasts that I do listen to. And I wish that while I do appreciate the interview format, sometimes if it's an interview guest that you're not really, that doesn't really resonate with you, I don't listen to the episode. So there are if I'm listening to the podcast, it's because I really you know, resonate with the podcast host. So I really love just the format where the person is talking. And the Ask Gary V show is also like this. Um I used to listen a lot to Gary V's podcasts. I just my only thing is I wish they were longer. Some of his podcasts are shorter. Um but I just love where Gary is just talking. And I don't know if I speak for anyone else out there, but I think that we love Gary's content because we just, we love and appreciate Gary. And so I would rather have listened to him talking than listen to him interviewing people. And that's just me personally. So the format of this podcast is really just going to be me talking, me sharing my experiences, my opinions, and just research. I think that that's what I also really appreciate is when I listen to a podcast, I listen to a couple from NPR, I listen to the Idea Cast uh, with Harvard Business Review, and I love when the podcasters share research. And I'm a, I am I have a research background. So a lot of um, what I'm going to try to do is just share research that helps support some of the things that we're going to be talking about. Or I say we because it, it feels like it's going to be a two-way conversation. But some of the things that I'm going to be talking about, I'm always going to make sure that I try to provide in the show notes um, some research to support that. Uh, so the goal is to, my understanding is when you create a podcast, there's like a time delay. So I'm recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, February 2nd. Um, I'm not a sports person. Uh, I'm not watching the Super Bowl. I'm actually recording this through the Super Bowl Um, because I'm trying to really make a productive, be productive with my time. And the weekends is really the time when I have, extra time to sort of sit down and do these things. So um, I'm hoping that I'm able to, that this podcast is able to get out in February. But again, I don't really know the process, how long it takes and all of that once you submit a podcast to get it approved. But that's the goal. Um, So I wanna also say I'm not a diversity expert, quote unquote. I don't think that there's such a thing as being a diversity and inclusion expert because I do think that, Everyone has unique experiences and you're an expert in your own experiences. So it's funny when I do panels sometimes and I do speaking engagements, they label me as a diversity and inclusion expert. And I would never use that word to describe myself. But um, so also it would mean the world to me if for those of you listening right now, if you could leave me some feedback, I know that that is really helpful for podcasts and when you start a podcast. I When I look for podcasts, I always look at the number of ratings the podcast has because that gives me a good indication of like how much people enjoy the content. So, so this podcast episode is going to focus on the reasons why your Black employees are quitting. I recently wrote an article of the same name, and so I just wanted to, hopefully this, um, this episode will provide insight for those of you who are not Black and listening. Um, these are some of the reasons why it's really hard to retain Black employees and why Black employees are leaving in mass, you know, there's this mass exodus Um, And companies are having a really difficult time retaining Black employees. So these are four reasons why Black employees are leaving. And I'm going to leave some of the research that I am going to be citing in this episode in the show notes in case you want to check it out. So the first reason why your Black employees are leaving is because of this lack of understanding that the needs of Black people are unique all people of color are not the same. And oftentimes, black people get lumped in with people of color. So a lot of the research and just the experiences are sort of lumped together. And I think that what this does is it undermines the unique experiences of black employees. So when you're creating events, for example, at work, it's Nice if they're for people of color, but it's even nicer if the events or employee resource groups are specifically for black employees to figure out what it is that your Black employees want. One of the best ways you can do that is just to simply ask them. I think that it sounds like such a simple solution, but companies, um, it's like they don't think about it. It's just just ask them, get feedback from if you're Organization has a Black Employee Resource Group, which, if you don't already, I would highly suggest you should have a Black Employee Resource Group, which is just a group of Black employees within the organization, Black employees and Black allies um, who frequently meet to discuss different topics, to have host different events. Um, There can be different goals of the Employee Resource Group, but I think that they're a valuable resource when you're trying to get feedback to figure out what your Black employees want. But I think that the experiences of Black employees are often just, again, sort of lumped in with all employees of color. And I think that this undermines and demeans our unique experiences. Um, So another reason why your Black employees are leaving is because of a lack of advancement opportunities. A 2019 study for uh, from the Center of Talent and Innovation found that very few black employees feel like they have access to senior leaders when compared with their white counterparts. So it's really important for companies to try to find ways to create opportunities for black employees to receive guidance, and that could be through sponsorship or mentorship. Um, a lot of companies don't really have formal mentorship programs where junior black employees or senior black employees can receive guidance and mentorship from senior non Black employees. So I think that like first establishing some sort of mentorship or sponsorship program is really important. In my experiences, what I find is that there are a lot of mentorship programs for um junior, for example, um, junior. Female employees. Um, But there aren't a lot of uh, mentorship programs for junior employees of color within organizations. And I think a part of the reason is because companies probably don't want to single out black employees or employees of color, but according to this, the report that I just cited, there are a majority of black employees that feel like they just don't have access to leadership, they don't understand how to move up within the organization, and if you A, don't feel like you understand how to move up and what the process is, and B, uh, feel like you are not able to move up. Um, or there's a lack of access and opportunity, you're not going to be likely to stay at the organization and you're going to be actively seeking other opportunities. So creating um, opportunities for uh, Black employees to receive mentorship, guidance, and sponsorship is super duper important. Um, Also, looking at your work environment. And, you know, black professionals, according to that, the 2019 study from the Center for Talent Innovation, black employees and professionals are more likely to experience racial bias. And I don't think that that is surprising to anybody listening. Um, Black professionals also indicate that they experience more microaggressive behaviors. So what can your company do? Well, first of all, making sure that you are addressing microaggressions in your diversity and inclusion training. So I do, as you guys know, I do like diversity and inclusion consulting. Or I say as you guys know. You guys might not know that out there. But for those of you out there listening, I do um, diversity and inclusion workshops. So companies have brought me in to do talks on microaggression. So this is a really great way to just first, you know, tackle this issue of hostile work environments is making sure that your employees even know what microaggressions are. Um, sometimes I have to understand that. So I teach um, diversity and inclusion at in a business school at a graduate level. So I teach students that are getting their master's degree. And oftentimes I have to remind myself that when I'm outside of the classroom and I'm doing these workshops like for executives that I have to make sure that they are very surface level. Because, you know, I assume because I'm in this domain where I know what a microaggression is. And that's like, to me, sort of like a, duh, who doesn't know what microaggressions are? I had to learn to stop making the assumption that everybody knows what microaggressions are. Um, Once I, again, was outside of the classroom, I was giving, there was a time I was giving a, um, I was giving a talk and I was uh, talking about microaggressions. And then after I sort of gave this whole it was like a, um, a very short uh, part of the discussion was on microaggressions and then we moved on and somebody raised their hand in the middle and said, what's a microaggression? And so I was like, wow. And so moving forward after that experience, I made sure that at every single workshop that I did where I discussed microaggressions that I specifically defined it or I made sure I could gauge whether people actually knew what it was. And at a recent, a couple months ago I did, a talk in Michigan on microaggressions. And there were maybe 50 people, 40, 50 people in the room. And I asked how many people know what a microaggression is. And maybe five people in the room raised their hand. So I think that it's important to like, for us as diversity and inclusion professionals out there to like, not breeze over some of these more surface level or basic definitions. Um, And you have to ensure as a leader that your, employees even know what microaggressions are because how are you going to tackle something that you, when you don't really quite know what it is. So making sure that your diversity and inclusion workshops uh, address microaggressions is important. Um, And there is something called management by walking around. And I will leave in the show notes, I'll leave the research about Um, it's called MBWA, but I'll leave the research about this in the show notes. So management by walking around, it's kind of based on this premise that if managers are more like helicopter managers and they're sort of, they're more present in their, um, within the workplace, and they're not sort of these um, inactive managers that aren't Uh, always present and show their faces. So managers that are more present and around more often are more likely to catch these hostile behaviors and these microaggressions and they're better able to address them. So something as simple as ensuring that managers are walking around more, are, are speaking with their employees more frequently can be an effective way to address and recognize microaggressions. So um, that is something that I thought was really interesting. So if any of you out there listening are managers, that might be something you want to implement into the workplace management by walking around. Also, um, it's Im- really important, especially now that hopefully when you're listening to this, it's Black History Month, but even if it's not, like Black History Month is not the only time for you to have conversations about race. One thing that a lot of Black employees really want to see is their employers addressing race. Um, Bringing in people like myself, like the other uh, DI professionals out there to come in and like facilitate these racial dialogues is super duper important. People are, in my experiences, I found that people are just really scared to talk about race. Many people have questions about race, but they may, for whatever reason, be afraid to ask. Um, I saw a couple days ago, I saw a thread on Instagram. And for those of you who don't follow me on Instagram and are interested in following me, my Instagram is, again, in the show notes. Um, But I saw something on Instagram where an employee from Twitter posted a tweet and basically said, hey, if you're a person of color looking for a job, hit me up, Um, you know, kind of like letting people know that he was looking to specifically recruit people of color for open opportunities at Twitter. And what followed were like a string of threads where people were replying and saying, you know, things like, oh, diversity is anti-white and just a lot of like anti-diversity sentiments. And um, I think that that is, I get constant reminders of that on online that just show us that we need to be having more conversations about race. People don't understand and have a misconception about what diversity is, and even things like um, there are vast uh, misunderstandings around like affirmative action, and it seems like people think that affirmative action is just for black people. Um, But the research actually shows that affirmative action benefits white women more than any other group. So those are, again, like misconceptions. And a lot of these misconceptions are perpetuated So I think that companies bringing in diversity professionals to have and facilitate conversations around race can be a really effective way to engage your black audience and your black employees. I saw there was a company here in New York City um, that did a discussion on or they had some sort of panel. On hair discrimination. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. I wish they had called me, you know, but, you know, facilitating those types of discussions, those are topics that are relevant and that are important to Black people. So, really um, opening up your organization to have these conversations is a really, again, effective way to engage your Black employees. So these are some of the reasons why black employees are not staying within organizations. So I hope that you found this helpful. So that was the first episode of D- Dirty Diversity. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, again, all of the info and the research that I mentioned is in the show notes. Be sure if you want to connect with me to leave feedback that you follow the Dirty Diversity podcast on Instagram. I just created, um, or I actually a couple months ago I created the Instagram page, but. Um, so I'll. You should see some posts on it by the time you're listening to this recording. And if you want to engage in more dialogue, please be sure to find me and connect with me on LinkedIn, or you could find me on Instagram at Janice J Nice J N I C E. Um, so I'm usually on LinkedIn and Instagram the most. I have a Facebook and a Twitter. Don't get up there too much. Uh, But be sure to connect. I would love to hear from you what you thought of this first episode. Thank you again so, so much for listening. And I will talk with you guys in the next episode. Bye.